Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome into the podcast that we like to call the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. If you haven't joined us on the Best of the Week podcast before, I just want to remind you that we do these each and every week all throughout the NFL season. We've got so much incredible content at Arrowhead Pride right now. We want to make sure if you guys don't have time to listen to each and everything that we do, we know that you've got busy lives. This is an episode where you can get caught up in a nice, compact episode. So we're going to kick things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon as they discuss some early training camp takeaways. And then around the 20-minute mark, you can hear the Out of Structure podcast with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner as they discuss some of Ron's early training camp observations. He's been on the ground at training camp all throughout for Arrowhead Pride. And we'll finish things up with Show in BK. You can hear that around the 53-minute mark. Brandon Kylie was actually out of town this week, so it was just me and Ron, the show Hughley, filling in. And we had a long debate about a hot topic of conversation at Chiefs training camp this week. Mustache Monday. But let's kick things off with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. And this is one of them as well. Now, our early takeaways from the first five days of full team workouts at training camp. And I'm going to start with my first one, John. All right. I said this on 610 Sports Radio. So if you listen to 610 Sports Radio and you listen to The Drive, you might have heard me say this earlier. I'm a little bit different when it comes to the offensive line right now. I'm actually ready to pencil four positions in but they are not the positions that I thought I would be penciling in. (laughs) I think Orlando Brown Jr. and Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, those are the same. But I had gone into training camp and I thought that right tackle was locked up with Mike Remmers. And I said, well, right guard maybe isn't with Trey Smith and LDT. I think this team knows that they are going to start Trey Smith pending injury at the right guard position. So I think Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, and Smith are locked in. And what's been surprising to me and I would say an injury is is half the reason here because I don't know if, if he would be getting this opportunity without the Mike Remmers back spasms thing. But I think Lucas Niang, if you really listen to Andy Reid's words, has started to, to play his way into what is a battle at the right tackle position. And so now I think I do have four positions locked in, but the one that I'm questioning is right tackle. And that actually surprises me. I didn't think I would be here this early. Yeah, uh, I think we've all, I've certainly gone through uh, an evolution, if you will, over the course of the season. I've written, I think, three offensive line projections. There's one to go, I suspect, before the season actually begins. And originally, I thought that the right side of the line would absolutely be veterans, uh, Duvernay, Tardif, and Remmers. 
Um, I was pretty quick to switch over to Creed Humphrey at center over Austin Blythe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Trey Smith is looking more and more like the starter at right guard. I got to agree with that. Um, I don't know what to think about this right tackle situation. You know, they've been working Niang as the swing tackle, essentially. On yeah, the he, had, he had been playing yeah. left tackle with the second team prior right. to the Remmers injury. Right. And even before Remmers was injured, he was getting a handful of snaps here and there at mm-hmm. the right tackle position. Mm-hmm. And so then Remmers gets injured and the Chiefs are like, well, let's give this guy an extended look at right tackle. What's hard well, about- see what he would look like as the swing tackle if yeah. Mike Remmers got hurt. Yeah. What's difficult about this, I think, right now on this night that we're recording is we're a day before the first padded practice. So like when you're really judging the lines, mm-hmm. you need the pads because right. you can't get to 100% intensity until the pads come on. They're not going to do that. So in a sense, we don't really know what this looks like. I think if you're going up to training camp on Tuesday, and you're probably listening to this now as you go up, or maybe you just got out of practice or whatever. Um, but Tuesday and the padded practice days are the days to go up and, and really determine, well, who makes sense for this line? Like, I'm very eager to see what Trey Smith looks like tomorrow in offensive mm-hmm. line versus defensive yeah. line drills. Because, I mean, you talk about Aaron Donald and the LA Rams and their interior. Aside from them, because they have Aaron Donald, this Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, I know that Chris Jones would be hopping outside, but when you have Chris Jones in the middle there with Jaron Reed on, on half the looks, seemingly, I mean, it's one of the better interiors in the league when it comes to defensive line. And so the interior of the offensive line is truly going to be tested by some of the better players in the league. I think you're going to learn a lot on Tuesday and thereafter at these padded practices and to the extent the preseason games about can Trey Smith hold up? How mm-hmm. does Lucas Niang look in a 100% full throttle rep against Chris Jones, who's trying to prove to himself, the coaching staff, and the world that he can play outside on the edge at that position? Like, There's so much we're going to learn from this padded practice, which is hard to judge right now, but I do still feel like I feel. I, I think right tackle seems to be more open to me than right guard is at the moment. Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's fine. I think that's... Uh, I'm not sure I completely agree with it. I'm still, uh, I, I'm still, I still have this thought that the Chiefs are not going to want to have three rookies right. uh, from the center on to the right. But, um, but it really could happen. And uh, on Saturday, I wrote that uh, there's a real chance that this could go on, and uh, we have to be prepared for it. I think there's definitely a chance we could see three rookies on the line this year. But, yeah, but- you know what? Long term, that's the best thing. Yeah, you know? and I, I think they're going to have some depth too, which is yeah. a good thing. Like you talk about, so say that is your your starting five, then Mike Remmers becomes your depth. Kyle Long mm-hmm. will be in the mix once he's healthy. You have LDT who has started many games. Mm-hmm. Austin Blythe, yep. Lucas Niang. Who knows how Prince Tego Inogo fits into it if Andrew Wiley mm-hmm. makes this team. So offensive line injuries are going to happen. And I, I think the Chiefs have, have really not only built that top line and are figuring it out. We'll see if it ends up being three rookies, but even behind them, when one of these guys gets injured, it's like you have formidable starters all across the line. A little bit mm-hmm. light, a little bit light at the tackle positions. I, I think it, you could stand to be a little bit better there. But even like any of the interior positions, you got to feel really good about. Yeah, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. All yeah. right, John, let's go to one of your first takeaways, one of your early takeaways of training camp. What have you, What have you been thinking about? 
Well, I'm just still uh, puzzled by 15 wide receivers. Now it's 14 with Finky gone. Uh, for what? Six, right off the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's for what? Six positions we usually get uh, on the 53-man roster. It's been pretty consistent roster. with six wide receivers mm-hmm. across the board from Reed. I, I think it's only been five once, and ever since 2013, it's been six receivers every other time. So the math on this works out to, uh, what is it, eight guys competing for one roster spot. Seems like. And it struck me today uh, for the first time that you could pick six players uh, for to be those wide receivers, and they would all be guys who played for the Chiefs last year. Right. You know, there wouldn't be a single new face on there. But we have uh, Antonio Callaway, and there's an argument that he could be a significant player for the Chiefs. We have a draft pick in Cornell Powell. Um, I, I can't imagine the Chiefs aren't going to keep him um, on the roster this year. So then the question becomes, which of these guys – that was a, a player for the Chiefs last year that was on the edge of the wide receiver roster, um, gets their walking papers. You know, is it gonna be uh is it gonna be Demarcus Robinson? Uh you know, is it gonna be Byron Pringle? Yeah. Uh, you know, those those are the kinds of questions we're gonna be asking. I, I mean, I think McCole Hardman. He's obviously going to be on the roster. I think Demarcus Robinson is going to be on the roster. Um, but that's that's only halfway down. And then there's a lot of questions. Guys like Jody Fortson, who once again is impressing everybody in camp. But, you know, maybe he makes the roster as a tight end this year. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just going to be I crazy. See, I can't see the Chiefs keeping more than the three tight ends. And, man, I cannot be talked out of as as nice as Fortson looks. I cannot be talked out of right now. It being Kelsey, Bell, and Gray. Like, you mm-hmm. need a blocking tight end. Gray's on the team, right? Kelsey's on the team. They know what they have in Bell. I, I just don't see them valuing Fortson as, as much given the acumen that Bell shows when it comes to blocking. And then, yeah, it becomes a numbers game. And you, you wonder if think the Chiefs could say, maybe this is the first year we'll keep seven wide receivers. Because I think because of his special teams and what he does in special teams, Marcus Kemp is making it. Mm-hmm. Where it's becoming interesting for me and this is a little bit of a bad problem. We talk about good problems sometimes when it comes to roster yeah. construction. So I agree. I, you know, Hill and Hardman are on the team. Byron Pringle, I think he's going to be the kick returner. I think he's on the team. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is on the team. What is tough for the Chiefs right now, and it's early, please, I, like, let's just say this right now. It's super, super early. Sure. Hal has not looked great. And he's been on the third team. And I've noticed a few drops. And it seems like he's having more bad days than good. Now, again, I, I will say it one more time. It is early, so he can improve by the end of training camp. But he's a player that you have to keep on the roster, even if it was someone that you maybe you make an active because you spent draft capital on this guy. Mm-hmm. And right. m- maybe he's your sixth receiver. Uh, maybe he can play some special teams and you feel better about it. But for him to not really be performing well so far and to have some of those drops that we've seen early on in training camps, just not a good situation when it comes to the numbers because you may have, as you're saying, a couple of receivers that you like and that you maybe want to keep in 
like a Fortson and let's say camp in a Callaway. And there's been other players too, that sometimes will turn your head like Maurice French, who I, I didn't mm-hmm. think there was a chance yeah. would make the roster. He has been making a few plays at training camp. So the numbers game gets interesting. And then you're talking, are you keeping nine or 10 offensive linemen? We just talked about the uh, embarrassment of riches that the chiefs have along the offensive line. And typically they only keep 25 total players. And then you have the fullback in the mix. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, does Andy Reid suddenly look himself in the mirror and say, I have too much <laughs> talent to keep this fullback <laughs> well, on the team? Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I like this part of the year. And it's it's so interesting because you get to you get to situations where, like, yeah, you do it by positions at first, but then it gets to be so deep of a conversation that sometimes you're running a wide receiver against an extra offensive lineman, and it's like, would the Chiefs mm-hmm. keep a seventh receiver, uh, or would they want to keep Yazier Durant or Darrell Williams, two names that we didn't put among the ten? That could be interesting, or you know, like, so which way, like, who do they fear won't be plucked off the practice squad? You have to think that mm-hmm. way, and so yeah. Sometimes it's impossible to know what makes this year more interesting than last year is see these fringe players can actually put eyeballs on their tape. And so if one of these guys has an outstanding preseason, it's seen not only by the Chiefs, but by 31 other teams. And so then you get into the thing of, well, maybe there's players that really perform well in the preseason that you can either flip for a draft pick or a guy that you feel like you have to keep on your team. Because if you don't keep him on your team and you try to put him on the practice squad, he could be poached in a second there if you're waving him and trying. So a very complicated problem. And sometimes I, I would appreciate the salary, of course, but sometimes I'm, I'm happy that my name is not Brett Veach and I just have to do this for fun on OurHeadPride.com. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you make a great point about the number of tight ends. I I think your logic is solid there, that you can't be talked out of three tight ends on the roster. But I would just ask this question. Could you have been talked out of three tight ends on the roster a year ago and the Chiefs carried four for the whole season? So uh, And and carried a fullback on the roster. So I I think your logic is, is fine. But in this particular situation where they might be having arguments about how many wide receivers to have on the team, a guy like Fortson, who could be a tight end and who could be a wide receiver, might be a guy who could find himself on the active roster. But we'll see. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, it's just going to be fascinating. And the, the, the determination of these things, I wish we could be a fly on the wall when they have these conversations among all the position coaches about who they're going to keep and who they're going to let go. The redshirt players hurt. And that's all I'll say, yeah. because I think Cornell Powell might fit into that and you got to keep him on the roster. I think Kando fits into that and yeah. he'll be on the roster too. I think to an extent, and he's making a case and I'm about to talk about it, but Bolton is someone that you'll have to keep on the roster, even mm-hmm. though he may not play a ton of defensive snaps for you. So right. uh, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the linebackers. That's my next thing. And I just got to tell you, John, I've had some visuals on this. Willie Gay looks like a completely different player. Right yeah. now, and that is so needed and so necessary now that Damian Wilson is in Jacksonville, and this was a, a guy that the Chiefs spent the second rounder on last year, and a lot of people thought that he might make an immediate impact, but he, you can just tell 
that there's a newfound confidence in Gay based upon just understanding where he is supposed to go on every play. And like, I don't think he's having a 100% perfect camp. Like one of the things that I asked him the other day, as we were speaking in the media was what is the coach's feedback? And he kind of joked around and said, he's not really getting yelled at all that much or chewed out all that much. And so um, I, I think he's having a, a really strong camp. I, I think the chiefs need him to have that. And what I have noticed is he's got a little bit of that second level ball Hawk ability. And that has been standing out, getting his hand on the ball, as of Monday, he got his first camp interception. We actually have the clip of it up at arrowheadpride.com via Aaron Ladd right now if you want to take a look at that. But Willie Gay, at a time when the Chiefs needed him to be and look this good, does look this good right now. Again, we'll put the pads on tomorrow, but right now I think that's a good sign for the first week of camp. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And So I think the equation that most of us would agree upon is that Willie Gay playing close to his potential is greater than... Damian Wilson. So even if he's just getting close to that, right. we should see an improvement at the second level of the defense. And gosh, the, the guys are just raving about what they see from Willie Gay at camp uh, so far. No, and and that was one of the things that Tyron Matthew tweeted today. It was our tweet mm. of the day in our notebook. I keep going back to the notebook, but <laughs> he, he basically tweeted out, Willie Gay, that's the tweet. And yeah. Very, very exciting. Uh, John, let's go to your next early takeaway. What has been standing out to you maybe on the defensive side of the football? Yeah, I was uh, intrigued today by uh, Jaron Reed's conversations with reporters uh, that basically said uh, everybody on the offense, on the defensive side of the line uh, is as versatile as Chris Jones. You know, this has been the conversation about the defense uh, all offseason is this idea that Chris Jones is going to be playing on the edge. And he's been playing on the edge. Um, he's been playing on the edge about one snap and three last season. So the real question is, is how much more is he going to play on the edge? And uh, Jaron Reed said today that uh, they're all cross-training. And they're all doing things where they can play in other places on the line. And so this is going to be yet another thing that Steve Spagnuolo is going to have in his back pocket to trip up the opposing offenses uh, so they won't expect what's coming. So this, to me, is pretty exciting. I think it's it's really cool. And, and of course, Andy Reid keeps saying that we're ignoring the Jaron Reed story. Uh, he himself is, gonna, is likely to be a pretty good player on that defensive line. So... I think the I think the tape though is an interesting part of this too because offensive linemen they really study the opposing player they're going to be most seeing on Sundays right and mm-hmm. so as you're starting to switch these guys up whether it's the end positions or you have Chris Jones kicking in and out just gives them more to work with or more sure. to have to be ready for when you're facing this Chiefs defensive line I think that's a, a great thing and I think the Chiefs have a lot of talent there. And where it, they may lack and a little bit of, I think, that edge depth, I think you'd probably want to have like one more bigger name along the edge. But this, to me, is a factor that makes the line interesting That like, in the sense that, yeah, but the versatility in the games and the stunts, I, I'm starting to think, okay, Spagnuolo's figured that out. Like, okay, maybe we don't necessarily have 
the edge player or that elite edge player, because again, who knows what's going to happen with Frank Clark. Chris Jones is, is now learning. Mike Dana is still coming along. But I'm going to scheme this up so that the quarterback and the opposing offensive line, no matter who's out there, they're not going to know what's coming. And I really like the way the defensive line is coming along in that sense. And it, and it just seems like this group is is just super, super, super tight. Uh, I thought what was interesting today in the parks interview, just talking about Tyron Matthew and just how close they've gotten at training camp. And they were talking so long. He almost got like was late for curfew. Um, <laughs> it seems like this group is, is, you know, from the line all the way back, uh, one of the tighter knit groups, maybe in the NFL and parks who has been with other teams more or less confirmed that on, on Monday. And I think that's a very cool part of it as well. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. And uh, I, I was di- very disappointed by the way, uh, with the reporters, uh, when Parks brought that up, that they didn't ask for more details about <laughs> what was going on when he almost spent the night in Tyron Matthews' uh, dorm room. But okay, all right, we'll let you off this time, but just don't let it happen again. I got to think it was like some kind of poker or something, yeah, or some yeah. kind of gab- <laughs> gambling that only millionaires and super thousandaires can do. But no. It- like I said, I, I think that's one of the best parts of training camp, too, is is the camaraderie that's built sure. with uh, these guys and, and a clear sign of it. Now, we mentioned Juan Thornhill and having to come off early today. What I want to say is it, it's a shame because I, I really think Thornhill's been playing well. Mm-hmm. What has been interesting is the Chiefs are showing a lot of two safety looks and instead going with three cornerbacks a lot of the time. And so Thornhill's been getting a lot of work with the second team. But I had mentioned this on AP is that I, I thought he was pushing, getting his hand on the ball, being around the ball. I think he was pushing to maybe uh, get some more time with the top team. And then he pulls his groin today or he tweaked his groin today. And we'll see when he comes back. I don't anticipate him that, like I said, I think the Chiefs are going to be cautious. I, I don't anticipate him to be back anytime soon. So I'm hoping that when he d- is able to get back on the field and healthy, he continues the early trend that we had seen. And one thing to talk about it where he was like, okay, I think I'm finally going to be back to the way I played as a rookie. And another thing to actually see it. And I thought we were starting to see that prior to him getting this minor injury today. Well, uh, I think all of that is right. Um, but I was just going to say, this is one of the things I was going to bring up and it dovetails nicely into what we're talking about here um, is the concern that the injury to Thornhill today is going to end up being worse than a groin injury. Groin injury on the first day that it occurs uh, is a very non-specific term. It can be anything from something that you're okay from in a couple of days, mm-hmm. or it could be a serious issue that requires surgery, as we have learned a couple of times in recent years. For what uh, it's worth, I mean, I, I I had eyes on this, and he was he seemed to be walking under his own power with yeah. a slight limp. And I saw the trainer working on it, and they just said, "Hit the showers," and probably like you're saying, "Let's see what it looks like tomorrow and whatnot." Right. You're right. I think it is something to monitor for sure. Thanks for sticking with us on the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner here with Ron Cop Jr. Getting all of your questions answered and all of the observations that Ron has seen in camp so far. I'm excited to hear more about. Some of these maybe surprising things that are coming out of camp. And actually today, again, being the first day of pads, we saw a great quote from Aaron Borgman on Twitter about how pads day is when, um, is when it gets real, right, Ron? 
Yeah, and and we talk about the linemen so much on this podcast because that's the big offseason topic, right? Both sides of the line are, are really the talking point this offseason. And we have yet to see them in, in full pads where they could really show what they want. And uh, we've already seen Twitter uh, give a little a love to Trey Smith, apparently, on Tuesday. Uh, you know, we're recording this during Tuesday's practice. But uh, it sounds like Trey Smith is impressing uh, with pads on. But that's when the offensive line and defensive lines really – you know, the, 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 the men separate from the boys, as they say, a little bit. And so I wish I was there for the padded practice. I missed it by one day, but uh, hopefully I'll get out there. But, yeah, I, it's padded practice, man. It, it, it's time. And, and we're almost we're almost to the first preseason game. We got, what, 10 days, 12 days? We're almost there. Well, Ron, let, let's just start with overall your number one story from camp so far. What is the, the one thing that stuck out to you the most, whether it's a position group or a player? or a theme, whatever you've seen so far? Well, I'm surprised it took us this long to talk about our favorite position, the linebacker group. We love talking about our young linebackers. We love talking about other linebackers that we don't want to see play as much, maybe. Um, Yeah, so it's actually been a really good opportunity for the young linebackers this camp so far. And and, and an unfortunate reason uh, is because Ben Neiman and Hitchens have dealt with hamstring injuries, uh, both being held out for the most part of, of all practices. Uh, I mean, Neiman p- was playing for a while, but now he's been held out and Hitchens missed p- pretty much every practice so far. He, he got injured the first day. So the linebackers that have stepped up, uh, Willie Gay, uh, uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton and Darius Harris, uh, young linebackers, uh, Stags, you have, you want to touch on the young linebackers real quick? Well, just, just a little bit of uh, not breaking news, but I'm following the uh, observations come out of camp uh, as we speak. And Anthony Hitchens is back on the field uh, with both Bolton and Gay in the, in the base set so far uh, in some of the team practices. So it's nice to see both Hitchens back on the field, but back on the field with both of the young second round picks uh, flanking him. Well, yeah, and, and that that continues the theme of the training camp. Uh, you know, Neiman missing missing practice is allowing them to do that. You know, I, I I think if the game started right now, they still would have Neiman as one of those three base linebackers. Which I think we've made it very clear that uh, you know we would like to see the young linebackers get the opportunity more. And so now they are, and and they have all made plays. Willie Gay, and we talked about it a little early, had that pick of Mahomes, but he's made three other pass breakups in camp so far. He's he's been active in coverage. You can see the burst. Uh, one play where he almost picked it, you know, Mahomes just did not think he was going to be able to get there in time. And and that shows you how, how quick he is compared to the rest of the linebackers who Mahomes have been facing. But then also Nick Bolton has made a pass breakup and uh, he's actually been playing will in base when, when Hitchens was out and Neiman was at Mike, they had Bolton at the will linebacker and gay at Sam. And so I actually think that that tells you that they value Bolton's off ball, reading the line of scrimmage and, and making a play in the run ability more than gays who, you know, as Sam, you're, you're not able to read, you know, and, and react as much. You're just taking on a gap and controlling it. Will, you're, you're reading, you know, you, you're off ball. You can see it all happening. So I think that tells you that they may, in, 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 uh, you know, prefer Bolton's intelligence maybe a little bit to Willie Gay's in run defense. And then lastly, uh, before I hand it off back to you, uh, Darius Harris made a pick. I guess I did mention that earlier, the pick with Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, fighting for it. Darius Harris had to step up when Neiman and Hitchens were both out. He was playing Mike. And so he might be a guy that, uh, you know, because of that, he might make the roster at the fringes of, of the team. Yeah, I think we might be sleeping on him a little bit. The team seems to like him, or they at least seem to trust him to know that role. And he's he's made a couple plays so far. That interception yesterday, obviously, um, he's out there doing what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, maybe we've underestimated him a little bit. Uh, when it comes to the young guys and the 
outside linebacker positions, the team really seems to like a linebacker that can play all three spots um, or at least the outside two being not completely interchangeable, but they've done that a little bit in the past, right? So Damian Wilson played both the Will uh, and the Sam, and they want these players that can that can play either side. So it's a really good sign, I think, that Bolton is already working at both of those spots. You've heard last year when Willie Gay Jr. didn't have the full off season and he reportedly had some work to do on the mental side of the game or getting into the playbook, they said, we're going to start him off at Sam and let him just focus there. Uh, and then we'll give him some, some will, right? So the fact that Bolton is already working at both spots is, I think, a good sign for Bolton, who I've, who I've been a little bit lower on than most people. But Gay has really been one of the stars of camp so far. So a lot to be excited about with, with the way he's playing. Yeah, and I, and I do think it's a great point you make about Bolton because if, if Bolton is already playing Will, I think that shows you that, yeah, he is making a lot of progress in the playbook and that Spags trusts him, you know, to, to have that role. And so, you know, he is a future Mike. We all know Mike, he should be the long-term Mike in the future, you know, calling the plays, being the green dot. He has that ability. And so if he's already, you know, making this kind of progress, you know, maybe they, they can feel more comfortable about next offseason when maybe Hitchens is, is released from the team so Bolton can kind of step up and, and take that role on. What else has stuck out to you in camp? Today I'm seeing a bunch of reports about a young player working in at safety that uh, is a little bit off the radar. Devin Key, or Devon Key, I'm not sure which it is, has been working with the ones today, given a couple of injuries you know, ahead of him. But um, he seems to be impressing or at least earning a, a long look so far. Yeah, and, and I think that's important. Uh, you know, we probably should have mentioned it earlier, but yeah, Juan Thornhill, that's a big part. That's a big story from this training camp too. He injured his groin uh, in, you know, in Monday's practice. Um, never a good sign. Obviously a guy that's dealt with injury already, obviously not the same injury, which is, you know, kind of a good sign, but I noticed even before Thornhill went out, he was playing quite a bit, rotating quite a bit in with the first team. You know, the first team defense has been strictly Sorensen and Matthew and at the safeties. Uh, no matter, you know, if it's nickel or, or, or base. And so it is, it is, you know, they haven't really been working Thornhill in you know, very much at all. Um, you know, on, obviously, you know, they rotated in a little bit, but Sorensen and Matthew have been dominating those reps. And you actually see key get in with Thornhill quite a bit, almost just as much as Thornhill, which, you know, I like, like you mentioned too, Armani Watts is actually out, uh, you know, and he hasn't been practicing with the team and team aspect. He was with individual drills. But man, I mean, an undrafted free agent, you know, kind of working in as much as Thornhill with the ones. And, and it, it was clear to me that that was the case. Um, they, they really have been, you know, they, he's been rotating in, you know, clearly. So, and, and we already heard his name in OTAs and stuff and minicamp. So we already kind of knew this was happening a little bit. But man, I, I don't know if that means, you know, hopefully they were just kind of giving Thornhill, you know, easing him in a little bit. But for him to be kind of rotating in just as much as Thornhill. And that shows you that they really, you know, want to see him and really get their good look at him and see if they really want to use a 53-man roster spot on him. He's got a good athletic profile coming out of Western Kentucky, and I think he's a, a player that is one to watch from the undrafted ranks. We predicted early on that there wouldn't be very many, if any, undrafted free agents that make this roster because they're pretty stacked and there's not a lot of open jobs. This might be one of those that could potentially make the roster – 
Because his competition are guys like Armani Watts, um, who has been uh, injured and and coming back. I think he's back in practice uh, now, but it, it took him a while to get back on the field. And then you've got Will Parks, uh, who has got some experience in in the NFL, but you haven't seen much of Will Parks yet in in this defense, have you? In, in camp? No, not at all. That's that's. I'm glad you brought him up because I. I almost forgot he was on the team, <laughs> I, you know, watching practice and stuff. I I'm like, Oh, who's number 20. That's running with the third team. You must be some undraft. Oh, wait, that's, that's Will parks, uh, not getting any reps with the first team at all. Not really even getting, you know, the second team. It, 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 I really didn't see much of him at all. So that, that would make me think that he might've just been someone they, they wanted to see what would happen in camp and maybe just not impressing them. Like maybe they thought he would. What I have seen about Parks is he's talking about how much he's shadowing Tyron Matthew and learning from him. I've seen some mental reps where he's standing, you know, back and and observing and uh, you know trying to trying to see what Matthew sees. So, you know, he's certainly working on it on the mental side, but it is interesting that he's not getting a ton of reps. Something else that's interesting today. Well, first of all. Tyree Hill, there's a little bit of concern about him today. He's been uh, spending a lot of time in the trainer's tent. I guess he went into the training tent and then took his pads off and started lifting weights and then put his pads back on. Looked like he was coming back into practice, but then he left practice, walked up the hill. Uh, So it doesn't appear to be anything super serious for Tyreek, but something to watch. Training camp injuries, probably the number one goal of anybody in training camp is to get through it without getting hurt, especially your number one guys. So that's something to watch. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on on Tyreek and how he's been so far. Yeah, well, Tyreek's been amazing. He's been the camp star for sure. I would say, um, like if you're if and 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 obviously, you know, we're getting excited about other younger players a little more maybe because we're so used to it, Tyreek. But if if we didn't know anything about Tyreek going into this training camp, he would be you know everyone's you know talk of the town, every topic because. He's just been, you know, he's been that good. He's been, him and Mahomes have been connecting that much. But yeah, with these injuries, uh, you know, I don't know what the what the Tyreek one is, but you know, with you know the hamstrings and stuff, that's a soft tissue thing. You know, that's just going to happen early in training camp. Obviously, Kelsey with the back and hip tightness, that's going to happen. The groin thing is a little. I mean, I guess that is kind of in that same category of soft tissue a little bit. Um, but you don't want to see that. I mean, that's that sucks to kind of come back from. It's kind of hard to get, you know, hundred percent back from that um, without kind of being you're, limited, limiting yourself a little bit. So I'm talking about Thornhill there with the groin injury. Yes. After coming back from the knee injury, then immediately going to a groin injury is not uh, probably pretty frustrating for Thornhill at this point. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of frustrating yesterday, you said, or earlier you said that yesterday the defensive line was winning a lot of battles uh, in camp uh, in team versus the offensive line it sure looks like today now that the pads are on I'm seeing some highlight real stuff from Orlando Brown and uh, the rest of the offensive line some uh, really excited tweets about Trey Smith uh, a couple of notes that uh, uh, Mahomes just standing in the pocket with plenty of time to to read and, and, and make his throws uh, so sort of exciting to see the offensive line doing well on their first physical period here. Yeah. And, and that was always, that's why you got to preface every line talk with, with what we were saying with the, you know, not being pads on. Cause 
that is really this is really when it starts you know getting going and they keep saying it you know reed has said it you know brown has said it that's when the you know pads getting on is when it really gets going so that's good no and and i and i've already seen you know uh trey smith a couple times being uh, you know complimented so i love it man this is a good time of year getting these updates like this just talking chiefs um i I'm just, I don't know. I'm ready for preseason football too. Cause that's when we'll really get to, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, these rookie linemen, you know, just because the first team doesn't mean they're not going to play quite a bit in that preseason game. So I bet we'll get a lot of looks from Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, but we'll obviously touch on that when we get there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time of year, Matt. It's a good time of year. Uh, what about the other camp star, uh, Jody Fordson? What have you seen from, from him? Is there a real chance that he makes this roster? I just saw a tweet that he uh, found an open spot in the defense and got an easy conversion. Uh, what do you think about Jody Fortson so far? Well, I, I do think he's the other, you said it, the other star training camp. If we didn't know anything about him going in, we might be a little more intrigued about him. I think his name's just getting a little fatigued to it now. And just the fact that Noah Gray and, and Blake Bell are clearly above him. And that is the thing, though. We got to remember last year they kept Ricky Seals-Jones around, a fourth tight end for, for really no reason <laughs> Uh, he didn't really make any sort of impact at all. In fact, he actually the only real impact he made was a drop. I I want to say in a in a crucial spot, if I remember correctly. I think it was in the playoffs against the Browns. He dropped a easy pass. But so they you know if they do keep four tight ends, he's the logical choice for the fourth guy because um, Nick Kaiser has been injured and not playing. And I think you don't need. I think Blake Bell or Nick Kaiser. One of them was making the team. I don't think the other. It ever made sense for both of them to make the team. So there is an opportunity in that sense. And he has been playing pretty well. He actually, you know, he's getting run. They're rotating a lot of tight ends in with the first team when Kelsey went out. So he did get some run as a tight end, getting some passes from Mahomes. So if they do want a Ricky Seals-Jones type, he kind of fits the same kind of profile. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe maybe that is the plan. Maybe, you know, maybe Jody Fortson lovers will finally get their day in the sun. You know, I would be a little bit surprised. I still feel like he's um, just right on that cusp of, of being – somebody that you can rely on within the within the offense. He's sort of a tweener between wide receiver and tight end. We always get excited about those giant wide receivers or the pass receiving tight ends, and, and you don't see a lot of them pan out. You know, he's been around for a couple of years. You know, maybe he's finding a stride now, or maybe he's just a perennial practice squad player. I guess we won't really know until cut downs come, but I'd be really curious to see if they carry four tight ends, at whose expense? Like what, what position are they going lean on? to carry an extra tight end. Yeah. So in, that is one thing, you know, that'd be 10 linemen that I factored in to, to get to my 53 man roster projection. They have kept nine in the past. And, you know, if Kyle Long is on the PUP and doesn't count against the the roster, you know, maybe they count him as the 10th lineman and, and keep, only keep nine. And maybe Allegretti, you know, uh, is cut or maybe that's when we see LDT, you know, wave that trade clause and, and go somewhere where he can maybe get a better playing up. And so, you know, that that's where they could, cut someone to make room for the fourth tight end uh six receivers too you know maybe they think they don't need six receivers maybe they think they only need five and so Callaway gets cut or uh you know I, I guess that'd really be the only way for them to get to five I can't imagine they'd cut or get try to put Cornell Powell on the practice squad um he wouldn't survive on the practice squad he'd get taken up so yeah it's interesting it, you know I, I would definitely bet that it wouldn't happen that uh, we'll definitely see three tight ends and Jody Fortson will just be you know another training camp name that will remember forever and nothing will ever happen from it but uh you know, it is interesting because he has had he has looked good at tight end. He has made plays as a tight end. Well, they have a ton of bodies at offensive line. My current projection still has nine offensive linemen going in with six wide receivers, three tight ends, and four running backs on offense. 
I think they always are going to carry that extra running back just because it's a position where you need a lot of bodies and you go through a lot of, of injuries and, and wear and tear. Uh, Darwin Thompson may have some competition for that fourth spot. He hasn't been on the field uh, yet because of the, the COVID situation, but uh, that's a position to watch. Can they carry a fourth tight end and a fullback and, you know, a, a full complement of wide receivers? I'm not sure. It will be tough to get down to, to numbers on the offensive line, and that's why it's worth, worth really watching where Lucas Niang plays. If he is the swing tackle um, or if he, if he wins that right tackle spot, you want your backups to be really versatile on the offensive line. So I think they could carry nine offensive linemen pretty logically as long as all of their backups can play multiple positions. And I think that's true already for, for Austin Blythe, if he makes the roster, for Mike Remmers, if he's not the starter, uh, he certainly can play multiple positions. Uh, so th- that really does make me believe that if Trey Smith wins the right guard spot, then LDT might be the odd man out and they only keep nine on the offensive line. But a lot to be determined when it comes to roster spots. And a lot of it, we're, not, we're just frankly not going to know much about, um, at least until we see the preseason games and maybe not even then. Uh, another name that, again, has popped up today, uh, just now that I'm, I'm curious to see what you thought in person of Joshua Kando. He just had another good rep, it sounds like, where he would have had a sack uh, if it was a live period. Uh, how's Kando coming along? Does he look like somebody who could, they can get in the mix early? So I think the fact that I re- you really didn't see Kando in the practice I was at, like doing much with the first team or you know rotating in much with the first team, I think that just shows you how many – bodies they have right now and how many guys you know with Elkafor or Dana and Damone Harris has actually been practicing you know up in that rotation kind of up with those guys too he's been rotating in with the second team but I will say Monday towards the end of practice all of a sudden I started to see Kando pop a little bit uh, the third team he's going against Wyatt Miller at right tackle who you know is just a throwaway guy um, and Kando got a couple pressures he around the edge he forced quarterback to scramble out and then he actually uh, next play countered back in with a nice move to collapse the pocket on the quarterback <clears throat> and it would have been probably a sack. And then actually I noticed right after that first team came back on the field and they got Kando in there, didn't create pressure or anything, but man, he exploded off the ball. Like it was very noticeable how quick he got off the ball, how, you know, how much he, he did like penetrate the pocket a little bit. He just didn't get past. Um, it would have been Orlando Brown at the left tackle, but man, I, I do think you can see why he was a five-star recruit. And if he, if he can just harness that and and really just be a pass rush specialist, I mean, do, does the team really need him to be that great at run defense? I mean, I know it would be nice to obviously get a guy that can be a stout run defender, obviously. But, man, if he can just, you know, make tackles work on the outside or just be a, a, a pass rush presence and, and be fresh legs at the end of the game when, you know, the offensive line's tired and all of a sudden this Kando guy who's only had five snaps all game on fresh legs comes in and, works him i mean he could really be an x factor for the defense i think uh but i don't want to get my hypes up too much i don't want to get my hopes up too much so he he looks the part physically right like he's a a good athlete he's big uh he looks like an imposing figure yeah no he's he's huge no he is he is like Tano Passino uh, comps are lazy um, because of how they play, but the size wise, like he is kind of, he's kind of that standout tall figure like Tano was, but they just don't really play the same. So he's probably competing with guys like Tim Ward for, uh, for those 
sort of backup or situational snaps. Uh, Alex Okafor seems to be working his way right back in, you know, to the rotation as well. So they do have a lot of bodies at defensive end. Uh, is the concern at that position maybe a little less than, than it was at one point? Oh, absolutely. I think so. Because uh, honestly, now I, I don't have Tim Ward making the active roster, which I, I did for a while this se- this offseason. But um, I, I say they keep five defensive ends. And if you include Chris Jones, that's six. And so, uh, you know, and then there's four defensive tackles. So that's 10 total defensive linemen. I think that's what they'll kind of want. And so I, and I haven't really seen Tim Ward be used at all and, and, and rotated in like, even though Kendo was very limited, he still was put in with the first team defense and played. I, I didn't really see Tim Ward get those kind of reps. Obviously, you know, that's the two days I've been there, but, and so like I said, to, Demone, I just saw a report that Tim Ward had a, uh, had what would have been a sack in, you know, with, uh, I think the third team on the third team defense against Anthony Gordon at, at quarterback um, so yeah, he's, he's rotating, he's deep in the rotation, but he's certainly been yeah. out there. A name that I was surprised to hear positive things about, which, uh, maybe I shouldn't be, but, uh, and Colin Saunders has been standing out a little bit with his quickness in camp. And that's, that's what he's known for. I mean, that's, he's, he's a remarkable athlete for his size, but is he, uh, did he catch your eye? He did. I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, that was. I, I would be very. I would regret this podcast if I did, if I didn't mention him while we were recording because he did. He has stuck out to me. And honestly, I think he's been rotating. You know, I. I think him and Turk are are either even or Collins gotten a little more run with the first team. Maybe in my in my opinion, I've seen him rotated in there with Jaron Reed beside him and you know Chris Jones on the edge. And he uh, just on Monday he had a really nice rep where. And I, you know, I just happened to be kind of looking at the interior line when it happened, but man, he beat LDT very quickly on a swim move, just boom. And right there and right in the, and right in Henny's face, Chad Henny's face, uh, second team. OL. So yeah, I, I think he's, he's made a few plays that have stuck out to me and you know, he's that bigger body that stags or spags, not you <laughs> spags has really liked Either the way. bigger body types at defensive tackle that kind of can plug like a little him. more. Yeah. Yeah. You like him too. And then Turk, you know, as great of a pass rusher as he was last year, you know, he's just not that run stuffing type. So maybe they kind of value Saunders a little more down to down maybe this year, because if he is healthy, because he is that bigger body and, and can kind of stuff gaps a little better than, than Turk can. So I, I, I do think Collins had a good camp so far. And I think he's, he's, you know, he solidified himself to me in my mind on the roster right now. And again, the numbers work out pretty well that, idea of having 10 defensive linemen with Naughty, Reed, Wharton, and Saunders as your tackles uh, with Clark, Dana, Taco, Kendo, Jones, and Okafor as your edge. That's 10. Uh, Tim Ward being the odd man out there. Maybe he gets another year on the practice squad. But, um, you know, the numbers work that way. If they consider Jones a full-time edge or a primarily an edge, obviously he's going to rotate. We know Chris Jones is going to rotate uh, with the interior. But if if we're marking out position groups and maybe the team doesn't even care, maybe they just say 10, we just need 10 total. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. six and four or five and five. But uh, that may be the way it works out. And, and maybe we were underestimating Colin Saunders uh, all along. Maybe he's healthy now and and – he'll be able to utilize his, his quickness and his athletic ability. Man. And, and imagine if Colin Saunders does step up and, and play like we kind of hoped he would. I mean, this defensive line, I mean, we keep talking about it, but it just keeps getting more and more depth and 
and just guys that can be situational type of players and make plays in, in certain places. I mean, I, I, I kind of wrote about it uh, with the three takeaways we had uh, this offseason from the Chiefs offseason moves, but one of them is the Chiefs do not want to lose in the trenches, and, and I feel like they've made – some good moves to where there's not going to be a lot of times where they're just completely, you know, lost and, and, and beaten in the trenches by the other team. Offensively, it's going to obviously be a lot more, you know, the offensive line is a little more dominant maybe than the defensive line could be. But either way, I think in the trenches, they're, they're good, man. They're going to, they're going to be, you know, that's, that's a point of emphasis this offseason. They've really improved it. Uh, which has got to be scary for the rest of the NFL to say, a team as talented as the Chiefs are at the skill position all of a sudden is also going to be good in the trenches, you know, because it's usually it seems like it's one or the other that teams yeah. with a lot of speed and a lot of playmakers are soft and and teams that are good in the trenches maybe can run the ball but but don't have the passing game. This might be the best balanced team we've seen yet out of the Chiefs and maybe one of the best uh, that we've seen in the league for a while if, if it all comes together. Yeah, and, and I think a simple way to put that is just, and I put it in this article, was just, hey, the Chiefs are going to have the quarterback advantage every single game they play, as long as Mahomes is healthy. If they have the trenches advantage in most of those, or, you know, in, in 90% of those games or, you know, whatever number, I mean, are you losing a game where you have the quarterback and the trenches advantage? It's just hard to see it. So, I mean, if they're giving themselves that, that ability to win both of those areas of the game almost every time, I mean, that's how you go 20 and 0. I mean, if they're going to go 20 and 0, that's how you do it. Yeah, we always say it's it's coaching quarterback. If you've got the best coaching quarterback combination, you're probably going to win that week. Uh, but but do, that is parallel to this idea that the games are won and lost in the trenches. And and yeah, if you can cover all of those bases, obviously Andy Reid's still amongst the league's best. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is clearly the league's best. And then you know you've got the best tight end in the league. You've got top two or three wide receiver in the league and with those positions covered and winning in the trenches. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun year. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy. I mean, uh, you know, if you have all those X factors that are already so hard to overcome and now you're saying that you're probably not going to lose the trenches battle a lot too, man, it is, they're setting up themselves, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy and everyone's, you know, uh, highly motivated throughout the season, it's going to be another fun year in Chiefs Kingdom, so I'm excited. I can't wait for it. Let's get it going. Well, another fun player to watch. I, I keep seeing things about McCole Hardman making plays. Um, did you see much of him at camp? Did you see any plays there? It looks like he's made a couple of catches already today. Yeah. No, McCole is, you know, he hasn't stood out in any particular way. Uh, you know, I, I've seen, you know, Mahomes miss him, uh, but I don't think it was McCole's fault or anything. I did have one, uh, you know, where – I did have one note about Hill, Hardman, and Callaway all being lined up on the same side of a formation in a trips look and, and against first team. And actually one particular play, they actually had Hill and, and Callaway as the inside receivers just clear out, just go straight, you know, like they're running deep. And then right, bef- right below them, right between them, or, you know, under them, uh, McCole Hardman grabs a slant. And obviously because of Hill and Callaway's speed threat, the defense is completely backed up and there's a bunch of room for McCole to work. So, yeah, that's where, that's where we kind of mentioned it earlier with uh, how it could help McColl by opening up and just being more spread. Is those deep threats are going to open up the intermediate parts of the field if if Hill and Callaway both make the team, or you know Hill obviously, but if Callaway makes the team and and can have some first team reps, man, that the defense is going to be fearful of his speed and that's going to help McColl. 
Yeah, a lot of that gets lost in the talk about what McColl needs to work on is what he's already spectacular at. And, and when he gets the ball in space, he's on a different level. It looks like the he's he's in fast forward as compared yeah. to the defense sometimes. His speed and quickness, like Tyreek's, is notable. It stands out on the field. You you say, whoa, like what how did it was like a blur, right? Like yeah. When when he gets moving in space with the ball, uh it it's different. And so yeah, get him on slants, get him on, you know, into rounds. I don't really care how you get McColl the ball, but he'll have success with the ball in his hands and and his he can use his speed to to their advantage. I don't need him to be an X receiver. I don't need him to to win jump balls every time. Uh, they shouldn't put him in that situation anyway. He needs to be he needs to be clearing out, you know, again in those in those situations where he can get the ball and just run past people. Yeah, and and for my money, Tyreek and McCall are the two fastest players in the NFL. I I I really do think the Chiefs literally have the two fastest players in the NFL. And I when you have that kind of speed if you're McColl, I mean you really, you know, you can win without a lot of the other stuff that we kind of want from a receiver. And you're right. No, I'm glad I'm glad you're making that point. I do still think though, the team and they're kind of evidenced by going after Juju Smith Schuster this offseason. I think the team would still still values having like a second like established receiver that can you know they already know is, is a talented player that can win on quick routes and you know create separation by himself on route running and i do and i think because they missed out on juju and there wasn't a lot of other options i think they kind of just said all right mccall like prove it to us this year but i do think if mccall is still just you know a gadget which, which like we're saying is nothing there's nothing wrong if it's is helping the team succeed um, you know, if he is just more of a gadget player rather than the true receiver this year, I still do think we'll, we could see them go after a big name receiver next offseason, kind of like a Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a free agent again next offseason. So that's just something I do want to put out there. Or maybe the team just took a um, different approach to it after they missed on Schuster and other wide receivers in free agency. Maybe that's the Noah Gray role. Maybe they're looking at how can we get more tight ends on the field that can create space and separation and, and sit down in the zone and, and move the chains because they have struggled at times when teams take away the deep pass and there's not enough outlets. There's not enough guys open. So maybe that can be some combination of Noah Gray uh, and, and the other guys that they have on the roster and, or, and, or maybe getting McColl more involved doing what he does best will open things up underneath for those guys a little bit because you hate to see it when when Kelsey and Hill are both taken away somebody else has to step in there and whether it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, Noah Gray, you know, or McCole Hardman or somebody has to step in and, and and make those plays. They don't have to be a certain physical type to do that. They just have to be able to get open. Yeah. And and it's it's all going to help with the increased offense or the, the you know the improved offensive line. I mean that's going to help everybody. I mean every receiver is going to have more time to get open. You know routes are going to have more time to develop. You know Andy's going to be able to run you know more seven step drops where yeah you know you can only guard these guys for so long. So yeah no I think that is important and I think I think the whole receiver group is going to improve this year and I do think you know. Once they missed out on Juju, you know, they were they were willing to, you know, test them out and just go for it because they have Mahomes, they have Kelsey and Hill. You know, it, 
they, they can't get everybody right and so they know they're going to solve a good offense but i do think if 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 it you know if for some reason the tight end two set just isn't as 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 efficient this year or, or maybe they still think they need a established receiver because mccall hasn't you know, I, I could still see him going after Juju next year. And there's some other good names out there either. But but I think they prefer – they would definitely prefer that McColl just steps up and becomes a, two, a second receiver because then you get him – you know, you hopefully you can extend him for kind of cheaper than you would pay for a bigger name receiver. Do you wear underwear? You consistently wear an underwear. Yeah, but I got – I just got these compression shorts that are like really comfortable. Sometimes I just walk around oh, in those. No, you <laughs> You're not wearing compression shorts. I do. I do. It's got a little pocket for my cell phone and everything. What color, what color are they? They're blue. Have, they're blue. I got, I got, I got the like, blue ones because they were, they were like $2 cheaper than the other colors. Like navy? Yeah. Oh, uh, see, I like to me, if you're going to go compression shorts, which I think I might do it, you gotta go bright, like I would well, like there a, was, a neon or an, or a hot orange. Those ones were like eighteen dollars, and I got I got the blue ones because they were like fourteen dollars. And I'm you cheap, gotta go. So I bought the cheap. You gotta ones. go. You have got to go. You gotta go hard or go home. Like you said, <laughs> it's and just you, me though. <laughs> There's nobody else here. It's no. just me and Lily the dog. What we're trying to do, and this would be my mindset, is build to wear those compression shorts in some in front of someone else. And I'm telling you, that's going to be the showstopper if they're neon <laughs> or they're a hot iron. And, and I'll get another pair. I'll get another pair, and maybe one day somebody else will be lucky enough to see them. And you know what? And you would put this stupid mustache monday thing kelsey and them are doing at the top of this this is i i understand the camaraderie thing and and i guess this is like when michigan basketball players all wore those black socks and those baggy shorts but good god man i just i i mean i I know me and Vern did this one time, right? Where I was we say, mustaches. Don't act like you're above this. Don't act like you're above the mustache. Not, I've I'm got not, pictures on my phone of that I'm, of those creepy mustaches you and Josh Vern, your Royals insider for six ten sports radio, had that why are you one time. Out his fool. Why are you calling out his full name, job title, and everything? They know. They know. Our fan our fans know Vern. They know Vern. Listen. They listen to six ten. They listen to us on Arrowhead Pride. They know the deal. Listen, listen. I'm not saying I'm above it. I just like they're a lot cooler than us. All right, let me all right, I'm a cool ass dude. But they should be thinking oh, a man. lot cooler than us. Me and Vern, especially in that time of our lives, we're idiots. I mean Vern's pretty cool, man. Nobody rocks a polo like Josh Vern here. Uh, there are a lot of people who watch rock <laughs> polos like that guy. Does. But we but they they should be cooler than us. They got to come up with something else, man. Y'all won Super Bowls, man. Do something else. And to me, if you're going to do it, grow that thing real thick. I mean, it, it's got to be thick. I feel like people were half-assing it. And they weren't giving it everything they had like we did. Like me, and I know maybe it's just some Kansas City listeners here, but I know we got people all around the world, baby, all around the world. But if you don't know him, look him up. I was purely going for a Brian Busby look. That's what I was looking for. I was trying, and I mean, I mean, like not little Brian, like <laughs> Brian, like nineteen circa nineteen ninety five. Full, Brian, full girth, little, Brian. Yeah, he had a little size to his cheeks, <laughs> and he had and he had a thick 
stash and he had an awful jacket like that brian <laughs> brian if you're listening man i'm sorry you know it was bad you know it's bad than yourself that's what i was looking for like they're just some of them were half-assing it and i don't think they really want it and i want to see if they're gonna are they gonna do this every monday Nah, I mean Kelsey said today he had to, he was going to give another week or so because he had to check with this girl because she does not like it apparently. But we'll see that. that's that, what's that, that's well that's issue. that's what's going to happen when you get the pencil stash. Nobody looks yeah, good in no. a pencil stash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's either got to be porn stash. It's got to be <laughs> Brian Busby stash. It's got to be like it's got to be Tom Selleck. It can't be. Hey, I'm gonna get you. And I'm gonna kill you, stash. And a couple of those guys had a I'm gonna get you and I'm gonna kill you stash. Like that can't like that can't be it. I don't like that's not a that's not a winning proposition. If you're gonna get it, go get it. And I'm with, and, and Travis needs to know. My wife did too. She refused to kiss me uh, during that entire. Time I mean, he might frame. be dealing with that with with his girl Kayla. He he, he name dropped her in the press conference today. That is really so. You feel that you can say her name now. Yeah, I don't that's know. her name. I'm not disrespecting know, I, her by saying I, her name. That's I, that's what her name is. I feel like you disrespected him. I, I, I do. I I, <laughs> I, I think it's. I, I think it, for you, it still should be. I mean, Travis's girl, Travis's lady, Travis's longtime girlfriend, Kayla Nicole. I think you're going first. <laughs> Uh, I think that's what she goes by. I'm pretty sure that's what she goes by. So we, so you feel, so you feel comfortable that you can go Kayla Nicole. I mean, yeah. I don't have I'll a relationship right with Travis, but I, I mean, Travis, I'd be, I'd be happy to hang out sometime. Well, grab see, a beer. I, can't, I can go Kayla. I mean, personally, I have worked uh, a a foundation event for him. <laughs> I have, uh, I, I did. He did a, uh, he did a. <laughs> He had some sort of charity thing, and me and Vern were celebrity participants in it. And uh, and it was for the Travis Kelsey Foundation. We shook up. We talked. I ate some of the pizza that I'm sure he paid for. So I can call him Kayla or call her Kayla. I got a relationship with her. I don't know if you do. Me and, me and Travis obviously go back. Go All right. I, I don't, but I mean, I'm just going to I'm going to call her by her name i i feel like that's the respectful thing to do i feel like that's more respectful than me just saying travis kelsey's girl i, I her her name is kayla she is she is much larger she is much larger than her relationship with travis kelsey she's got her own life yeah i'll let that i'll let that hang yeah she does have her own life. i mean the uh, real the real reason i wanted to talk about this is because my man gd12 Got a shout out in the press conference. Travis Kelsey did not name anybody but Garrick Dieter when he said we when we decided to do Mustache Monday. I texted Garrick, I texted Dieter, and I told him to tell the boys we're gonna do this on Monday. We're gonna get Mustache Monday going in training it's, camp. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. They really love them some Lou Garrick Dieter. I mean, they love Lou Gehrig Dieter. I don't I don't know what it is. Like I, I sit back and I think, sort of seriously, could you imagine what they do if he ever scored a touchdown? Like, he almost you know, had one. There was a block kick. They got called back because of yeah. a penalty and I was devastated. Yeah, you can't advance it on, on it. But but it could, it, on a muff you can't advance it. But could you imagine if he caught a touchdown pass and scored? They would 
like he's the he's the bench player in basketball that they care so that everyone is with the towel. Oh, Pat's gonna get him one. Mind. Pat's gonna get him one. They've been giving him some time with the ones, not much, but he's gonna get getting a couple of reps here. Or there, that you know that number two wide receiver I, spots open. Garrick's not gonna get the job, but they're gonna give him a, a small it, chance it, in camp. It's not open for him. <laughs> tell you that right it's, now. it's more open for Byron Pringle than it is for it, him. It's not open. It's more open for you than it is for Garrick <laughs> right now. Garrick's just just on there. But, I mean, if he ever scored a touchdown, they would all be out there. They wouldn't even give him a chance to get his own celebration in. Because They'd root they him. I don't know what it is. They'd root him. They'd carry him off the field. Somebody would pick him up and carry him off so the right. field. They would. They would. They would. They would. And, and it would be genuine. It wouldn't be like, hey, let's mess with him. Like, it, it would be genuine. They really, I don't know what it is. Like, I used to think maybe he has pictures on him or something, but no, <laughs> I think they genuine really do uh, like Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig Dieter. I really think they love, they really love this guy. I used to say, and I said it all the time, that GD12, my man, I love you. But like, the it was clear, say, it was I'm clear. The way you say that is like, He's your man. I've been his biggest supporter. GD12, baby. Hashtag GD12. Nobody else has been doing that in Kansas City except for Steve. All right? I have been Garrick Dieter's biggest supporter his entire career here in Kansas City. Every time he's been cut. might have a bone to pick. Every time he's been cut, I said, don't worry, he'll be back. He'll be back. They love him. They love them some GD12 on that Kansas City Chiefs roster. He's always going to have a spot. On this team, I used to say it was because he was the bag man, and he might have been the bag man at one point. But he has he has graduated to where he's getting invited to weddings, he's getting invited to family gatherings. Like Gehrig's got the invitation for life now. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will make sure that dude stays employed for the Chiefs as long as they are in Kansas City. Is he going to be in Pat's wedding? Oh, I bet. You think he's? Oh, I bet. He, I bet. Pat he, mentions him all the time too. Pat loves him. Is he? Is he a groomsman or is he an usher? Like that's that's wow. I like, don't know. I don't know how tight Pat is with like his home, hometown dudes. I, I read an article in Kansas City Star about some of his friends that he flies up here from Texas to go to games and stuff. But I don't know how deep that is. Because like, I know like Pat, I got I got five deep. I don't know if Pat's flying five deep. We, we know Jackson's number one behind him, but how far does Garrett is Lou Garrick Dieter behind it, and can he close the distance in the time that he has leading up to being able to do this? Like I, he can't. If he's not a groomsman, he can't be an usher. That's disrespectful. That's that's reserved for no, cousins and stuff. Because see, you said I think he has graduated, but I still do believe. He understands one of his role at these outings is the pitcher taker. Like I still think I don't think he's graduated from. Hey, let's everybody. Hey, let's the group together. Let's take pictures here. Lou, Garrick, Dieter, you take them. Like I think, like I think he's still in that in that space. But nah, I think damn, it's I, the damnedest I, thing they love that guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't get it. He's got to be hilarious or something. There's, there's got to be something else there. I, I don't. I don't think he's funny. I don't. <laughs> he's got to be like it's the only thing that makes sense. Like th- those like are the guys. Kind of, like, like what kind of funny? Like Robin Williams funny or like, <laughs> <laughs> like 
No, just hilarious. Like, like he's got to like, just be hilarious. Like, like that. Dry those, humor. Those are the guys that wind up sticking around in groups like that. Like Garrick Dieter has no business being on this roster, and he has no business being best friends <laughs> with the two best players enough. on the team. He's but he's not good enough. He's got to be just hysterically funny. Maybe he's maybe he's Alec Baldwin. Maybe he like does impressions. You think he like he's, <laughs> <laughs> like he's got he's got a Denzel impression that just. Hey, maybe, hey, maybe. Garrett. Hey, hey oh. Garrett, Garrett, do do your do your do your uh, do your Denzel. Come on, do I do think your, <laughs> do your Roseanne Barr. Do I... your Roseanne Barr. Do your... <laughs> I think that he's. I think that he's. I'll do anything. I'll try anything. Hey, Garrett, go mess with this guy. Okay, I got you. Like, I think I think he'll just do anything that he'll the crew tells anything. him. I, I think maybe he does impressions. Maybe maybe he's hysterical. Maybe maybe he could be a stand-up comedian. I don't know. There's gotta, there's something going on more than just him being a nice guy. Garrett Deer's got to be absolutely hilarious. Do your do your Joe Biden. <laughs> do your do your Sanders. Your Huckabee Sanders. Come on, do it. He's probably got a new. <laughs> A mean Huckabee Sanders. I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. It's got if he's funny, he's got to have a special talent. Like maybe he's a football player who should be an SNL cast member, but they but that's how he uses his talents. Instead of performing for Lauren Michaels every week, he does it to stay in friendship with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. He's got two weddings, and he's expected two groomsmen gifts from both of them. Best groomsman's gift he could get. Oh boy, my God, yeah. Ooh, mustache Mondays. Good for you, Derek Dieter. You keep fighting. You keep fighting. Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta come clean about something that I've been mowing over the last week and a half, and I almost really hate to come to the table to tell you this, especially. Because I don't want to see me this, or the audience, you really and the audience. But I but I don't want to see especially you this stupid face that I'm about to see. 